0: BN hey, uh, good afternoon gentlemen another great day of little beaver brewery i decided to try a flight today because i couldn't decide what i wanted so in front of me i have the this is gonna make you thirsty so i have the super bright which is an ipa sour I'm looking forward to that one i've also got the orange vanilla papa school i really want to ask chad with a uh the so history behind that one is—I think that's probably another uh, daughter-picked one. That's an IPA milkshake. Then I got a coconut cream pie and a pumpkin pie, pumpkin with the the N, pumpkin pie. So that's a pumpkin-flavored <laughs> one. So that's what I'll be enjoying today as we sit here and chat. And uh, so, you're gonna welcome? Our yeah, guest, absolutely.
1: So we're joined today by Miller Park Zoo Superintendent Jay Tesloff. Jay, welcome to PodBN. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So. We were just uh, always looking for interesting people to chat with, and we realized that we—I—we we realized probably a couple weeks ago—that we haven't had very many Bloomington, Town of Normal, McLean County, like department people on just to talk about their specific area, what they do. And you were one of the first ones I thought of, and that's why. I, we originally reached out. So, start off, just kind of tell us about your role as zoo superintendent, what you do, and that way it can kind of open us up to some questions. Sure. So,
2: uh, being the zoo superintendent of Miller Park Zoo, it's it, it's I'm basically the zoo director. Um, I'm responsible for anything and everything. Uh, everything's my fault. <laughs> and uh, no, it's it's uh, you know giving vision, uh, strategic planning, uh, down to uh, scheduling. Yes. and uh, going on things like this and talking about uh, all the great things we're doing at the zoo and uh, supervising staff. I mean, everything you can think of as someone who runs uh, a zoo is, is what my role is right now. And you have a pretty good background in this type of thing. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Before you became, uh, came to Bloomington and Miller Park Zoo, what's some of your background in that area?
2: So I'm in my 34th year in the zoo field. Uh, started as a volunteer in Omaha, Nebraska the Omaha Henry Valley Zoo. Uh, One of the best zoos in the world, uh, in my opinion. And uh, started as a volunteer, became a zookeeper, uh, moved on to Wichita, Kansas, uh, where I was a supervisor of a mammal area there. Then moved on to Sioux Falls, South Dakota at the Great Plains Zoo and was the director of animal programs there. So basically, they're a head animal person. And I've been down here 12 years now.
1: So thinking back to when you first came to Miller Park Zoo, what are some of the things that maybe you recognize in Omaha or some of those other spots that you're like, you know, we could really use this here or this is something we could
2: implement here locally? So there's little things, you know, um, being the second small zoo that's accredited by land, um, you know, is a challenge. Um, you know, Great Plains Zoo had a seven-acre bison yard, <laughs> and I come here and we're four acres total. So there's some things that work here that wouldn't work there and vice versa. Um, one of the things I did right off the bat is I started the conservation fund and allowed the public, in essence, our guests, to pay for things that we want to do from a conservation perspective. I started in 09, if you remember what was going on in 09, uh, the zoo had just got 26% of its budget cut. And uh, what 73 uh, city employees were let go or, or retired. So we were tight from budget. So it was trying to figure out some of it also was we had lost folks due to the layoffs. So it would be like, well, who's gonna go get the the uh, medications? Well, Katie always did that. Well, Katie doesn't work here anymore. So what are we gonna do? And so it was a lot of that my first year, just re- figuring out the changes in budget, for, first and foremost, and then just trying to maximize the animal collection and, and get us on you know on the right path forward again. Is is the entire
1: budget? Where's your budget come from? Is it all Bloomington tax dollars or where, where's? So,
2: we're is at... Is there any area? That's why I was wondering, like, does McLean County contribute no, anything? It's all Bloomington? It's, it's all City of Bloomington. Okay. And then what we earn yeah. uh, from the gates and carousel, all those things like that. And then the Miller Park Zoological Society also pitches in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's about $60,000. Uh, total budget's about $1.4 mm-hmm. And, you know, less than half of that is from tax dollars, and that's something we've been slowly working down that percentage. Yeah. And it's hard when, when minimum wage keeps going up a yeah. dollar uh, every year. Uh, that adds quite a bit to our, our budget, but you know we're trying to keep up with that, actually lowering uh, the reliance on city um,
0: dollars. That was something I remember finding interesting when I did Bloomington 101. You talked about how there's this perception that zoos should be self-funded or shouldn't be tax-funded, and I, I found that perspective really interesting. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Yeah, so you know, there's only a few for-profit zoos out there um, and they're mostly called SeaWorld or Disney. <laughs> uh, the majority of them. There's a few aquariums that are, are for profit, but a lot of them are non profits. And some receive tax dollars, some don't. Some are city funded, like we are. Uh, there's uh, state funded, like Minnesota. There's nationally funded, like the National Zoo. So there's every model you can think of is out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot, there is a trend that more zoos are going non profit. And there's pros and cons to that. I don't think that we could be. A nonprofit. Yet we're not there yet. We need to have uh, more of our own revenue coming in. We really rely on the on the city dollar to to continue doing what we're doing.
0: But it's not something that somebody opens as a money making enterprise, right? I it's hope not. A, yeah, <laughs> I hope not.
2: Um, yeah, it, it's it. It definitely is a nonprofit. You know, COVID. There were there were zoos that were talking about closing their doors forever. And in fact, a, a national committee that I'm on, we talked about how do we help zoos that are on the verge of collapse and, and closing completely. And so, you know, because at first, zoos were not allowed to get any federal dollars. And so different things have happened and they're able to keep afloat, in essence. Uh, lots of my friends that are directors were really talking about closing their doors, potentially forever, yeah. and that's that's a scary thought.
0: What happens to the animals? they try to go to other, other zoos? So that's what we were working on was,
2: how do we send out, you know, entire zoos worth of collections? Uh, I've done some things like that, for, for, but they're based on emergencies. Like when I was in Omaha, there was a fire at the Topeka Zoo, and we received an entire building's worth of animals. Wow. And they went to us. I mean, every zoo in the region got some animals uh, be, as, as a way to help the Topeka Zoo during, during their fire. So, mm-hmm. you know, we worked together with other Illinois zoos in case something like this should happen. Uh, storm. Um, in this case, it was financial emergency. Yeah. And- stay on to the, the revenue for just
1: another second before we get to the fun stuff but like there is an economic impact associated with the zoo so even though it's costing taxpayer money there's a lot of people that come and visit the zoo that spend their money elsewhere in the community
2: right? absolutely And we talk about that quite a bit um, right now the last time we, we, we ran the numbers two thirds of the people who came to the zoo and paid to get in do not live in McLean County ah, so we are okay. drawing people in from the outside uh, and the that's hot, the
1: county that's impressive big county it's a big county, and to come come in, and, and it's only b- being only Bloomington tax dollars that are paying for it. Right. So, do you have any numbers on outside of Bloomington coming? Because
2: that would be outside. So, like their source, right? Uh, like, uh, you mean like where else? Where are people coming from? Yeah. So our, our highest city is Champaign. That's interesting. So nine percent are coming from Champagne. Wow. And then you get um, you you start thinking like the Pontiacs, and then actually it's the Chicagoland. <laughs> so people coming to visit, whether it's uh, through or from ISU or just coming through, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was something we did a couple of years ago just to see like where are we at? Because I I do think that we're here. I think we're here for quality of life mm-hmm. for this area, but also I think we can be that economic driver as well. And so I wanted to see what those numbers were. The two thirds was way better than I thought they'd be. That's absolutely. that's amazing for us. Yeah, absolutely. But
0: that's something when uh, when we were deciding where to live and where to raise a family. I mean, the zoo was one of our considerations. I'd say if it, um, you know, you can say that it needs over once kind of chant, right? But if we didn't have things like Constitution Trail, zoo, um, the park system, those were, those played in personally huge for us in our decision where to live.
2: And and you'd not been the first person to tell me that, that they came here because of the zoo. Mm -hmm. I, when I, when I was in Sioux Falls and I was, okay, what's, what's my next move? Um, from a career perspective, professionally, there was a job somewhere else in a community that I did not even apply because I thought the community was, I don't want to say dying, but it was struggling, and the zoo was struggling, and so I, you know, I didn't even apply. So it was what was here already in addition to what the zoo was offering. Was the reason I came here. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just the zoos, all these other things. Like, you know, you talk, you know, fifth best place to play golf. That was the first thing that <laughs> popped up yeah. in Google search, right, yeah. for Bloomington. Uh, you know, the arena, the BCPA, um, the park system's uh, amazing. You know, everything we've got going on here, it's just a great community to live in. Yeah. There's
1: there's some interesting facts about the zoo. You mentioned one. It was the second smallest by land. Yes. Is that right? Yes, we're
2: four acres. We're the second smallest zoo that's accredited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And
1: what's the first? I'm just curious. So, it's
2: the Trevor Zoo. <laughs> in Mil- it's run by the Millbrook School in New York. Oh, wow. It's that's only funny. three acres. Okay. All right. There's, there's some other, like, where is it as far as age goes? Um, is it... I've heard it's fairly old. We are the 13th oldest, so 1891 was when the first dollar was spent on the zoo. That's incredible. Hmm. And
1: uh, the other one that sticks in my head has to do with Route 66. I've heard that it's one of the few, if not the only, zoo that's actually on Route 66. Right. So from my research, we are the only zoo on Route 66. Yeah, that's pretty impressive, too, because, I mean, we've seen with the visitor center downtown that Route 66 brings a lot of tourists through
2: town. Yeah, we, 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 did, we probably need to tackle that more mm-hmm. and take that on more yeah. and do more advertising on all that Route 66 Information that's out there. Yeah, it's not something we've really capitalized on yet. But it's on, you know, it's it's on the back of my mind always. I I was cautious for a long time to say we're the only. Right. Well, yeah. So you you follow the route, then you go. (laughs) Well, who? Which you know, then you go like, well, which route? Right. It splits off, and that's yeah. when I kind of went, okay, well, this isn't my strength of, sure. of, of expertise. I'll let someone else kind of help me with that. But so even, I like
0: this Jake because, like, uh, you know, marketing guys. I can tell you're not a marketing guy because you were like, wait, <laughs> if I'm going to say this, I got, you know, you yeah. could have said like the number one zoo in the country, right? And then I had no account. For I don't that. want I somebody to come back to
2: me. You're right.
0: a scientist, right? If you're going <laughs> to say something, you want to make sure it's right. Yeah, so I yeah. appreciate that. Well, okay. I immediately <laughs> thought like, wow, how,
1: what, what can we? Market with Route 66 and bringing in some more of that traffic. I mean, I, I think as a community we can do a better job of that. I mean, the the um, museum downtown's a good good step, but I think we could do some more of that too. And the zoo I think could be definitely a part of that. With being the I'll say it the only zoo on Route 66. Absolutely. So four acres. What that, I don't I remember when I was a kid, the entrance to the zoo was the old building okay. uh, where like yep. the big yep. cats are and yep. some of that stuff is. That was where we walked in, and none of that other stuff was there. Um, actually, just we went to the zoo last week, and I mentioned that to my daughter, and she's like, "Really?" So it was that small. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. it was that small." I didn't know that either. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, what 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 I think gets taken for granted, and, you, and this is going to probably expand to a lot of different questions, is at our zoo, you don't walk very far without seeing an animal. Where, where I've been to zoos before, where it seems like you're on a 15 minute hike yes. to the next exhibit, where ours is just you turn your head and there's you know three or four different exhibits. So talk about just how. Um, logistically difficult that can be to jam all of that into four acres because there's
2: quite a bit yeah you have to be careful of how many animals you want to make sure you're giving all the animals the space they need it's all about the animals it's about the care their welfare yeah I you know Wichita Kansas was one of the largest zoos in the country from land uh, utilized over 200 acres Mm -hmm. and yeah you could walk five ten minutes without seeing anything yeah and so when we did our master plan in 2012 you know, there was talk about, hey, you know, we are not those zoos where you can walk a while. We don't, we don't have the luxury of all that land, so we have to be strategic and think through how many exhibits do we have. Like, uh, I got asked ask the other day about elephants. <laughs> I would demolish, I would demolish our entire zoo to yeah. build elephants. Right. And instead. I choose to show you 156 different species of animals versus one or two. What about small elephants? you (laughs) get like (laughs) little elephants? There are pygmy elephants, but they're not that small. You can put them in with the kangaroos, (laughs) see what happens. So (laughs) you use your collection as a way to, you you have to think through your collection. You can have some big stuff and less animals, or you can have lots of little stuff and show lots of diversity. I'm a big diversity guy. Yeah. I want to show you all the different types of animals that are out there. If well, we have an exhibit that has two the same animal and two exhibits, I will look at well why don't we change one of those exhibits to something we don't have yeah so we, we talk a lot about that kind well, of stuff
1: and to your point I mean that you got to know you got to know who you are and where you stand. I mean if um, you want to draw people from Chicago, having diversity matters a lot because there might be something down here that they don't have up
2: there, even though up there they might have bigger animals and and larger exhibits, right? Right. So we looked at that during our match plan. We looked at a 300-mile radius, so that's all the way up to Milwaukee. And we looked at what other animals were in collections. Knowing we're not going to try to compete with Brookfield, Mm -hmm. with Lincoln Park, with St. Louis, that's fine. Um, we, We shouldn't and we can't. Yeah. But we can still show animals that nobody else has. And it's little things sometimes like... Greater flamingos. Most zoos have flamingos. We're the only zoo within a five-hour radius that has greater flamingos. So the biggest flamingo, the palest. So it's subtle things like that. It may not be a big deal. We're the ones who have Sumatran tigers, right? Uh, which is the smallest subspecies of tigers. Everyone else has got the big Amur tigers. So it's it's showing you something different, but it's still showing you something you may know. Almost everybody knows what a tiger is. Sure. But ours is just different and doesn't need as much space. So there's, there's thought behind every single species we have at the zoo. Now,
0: Miller, I, think you, I mean, sorry, you mentioned uh, St. Louis, and I think that Miller Park Zoo spoiled me for zoos for exactly the reason you mentioned, Justin, because everyone's saying, oh, St. Louis Zoo, St. Louis Zoo, it's great. So I was down there one time, went there with my kids. Um, apparently we turned left right when we got in, which is not what you should do <laughs> because we were just walking and walking and walking. And we, like, maybe kind of see an animal out there, and we're walking, and I'm like, are, are there animals at this zoo? I don't... And then... Um, that's why it's free. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> that's what I was like. Yeah, free zoo. It doesn't have animals. <laughs> but eventually we got into it. Um, it's kind of same with Brookfield. Like, if we're going to go up to Brookfield, you got to set aside a whole day, and you can't even see the thing. you got to... You can't see all of it. you got to schedule your different times. There's different, like, shows and stuff like that. We were really used to that zoo experience that we have here, which I think... Knowing it's the smallest, second like smallest, it capitalizes on your strengths because we go in and we see every single animal every time. Yeah. My kids are like friends with the animals. Like I remember it when Candy the bear died, they oh, were like, "Don't get me started." They took it like, post- "Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was like, Candy was my favorite." Every time we come in, we go check in on Candy, yep. right? And then yep. um, you form a relationship. When we hear that there's a new one, like, "Oh, there's a python," my son's like, "Oh, we gotta go see the python," yep. right? Yeah. And, you you, ha- you see the whole thing when you come in. And that's not an accident. <laughs>
2: it's not. You know, we, we can be more intimate. You know, a, a big zoo, like our walkthrough uh, in Australia where the wallabies are, big zoos may not be able to do that because of the amount of people who come through. Yeah. And if you do it, you have to have somebody in there monitoring. You know, our community... Is fantastic. We don't need to worry about people stepping over the that little rail. Yeah, because I mean, you could. It's quite easily. Yeah. It, so it's our clientele. It's it's less people, but it's also the respect that our zoo has from our guests, which is which is great. So I can get away with things that Brookfield or St. Louis could never think of. So there's benefits to being a small zoo in that way, but it is much more intimate. You don't have to worry about well. I remember having lunch with somebody when I worked at Omaha, and she, the guest was there, and they only, they picked about 20% of the zoo, and they'd only walk 20% of the zoo, and then yeah. they went home. I mean, they are members, obviously, so they just came all the time. But at our zoo, you can walk it and I usually say it's an hour and a half. But, so, and you can go, you know, two or three times, so in a two and a half hour span. So, my idea is, I want you to see the animal minimally two-thirds of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like the red wolves are probably the biggest challenge I have for that. It's the biggest yard at the zoo. We've had as many as 10 wolves in there because of litters that were born there. Um, but they tend to, to lay down near the back of the exhibit. Yeah. So they're probably the hardest ones to see. But again, you still see them two-thirds of the time, at least. Yeah. Uh, I'll see them almost every time. But I also know, you know, the particular places where they like to, to hang out when it's hot or when it's cold, whatever.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's fun to, like, as members to come in every season, too, because, again, you walk the whole thing and you say, this is what this exhibit and this is what this animal's behavior is like in, in winter and in summer. And then uh, it's, it's uh, you don't have to just pick that 20%. And,
2: and maybe you've noticed this. Have you seen the, be- the animals' behaviors change? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially the animals in the Cotolfer building where, you know, they're used to seeing, you know, 1,300 people a day to where they're seeing 20 people a day, but 12 of them were wearing blue, <laughs> taking care of them. Mm-hmm. And so when they see somebody different, it does catch their attention. In the summer, it typically doesn't, but in the wintertime, it does catch their attention. Yeah. So, Miller Park itself is—is is it the biggest park in Bloomington?
1: If not, it's close, right? I
2: mean, um, it depends if you count lakes.
1: Oh, okay. I got you. That makes sense. Um, but so my point was being there could be room to expand the zoo if that was warranted. If that was, you know, if, if people wanted to do that. Has there been any talk of that?
2: Uh, and. and What's your thoughts on it? What, yeah. We just recently expanded, right, with the,
0: a little bit with the snack shop coming out. Yeah. yeah,
2: so we built a cassette stand and added a new parking lot this past, uh, well, it's been about two years now. And that was done for a couple reasons. One, to bring the revenue, we talked about that a little bit earlier, was our biggest complaint was parking and no food. Okay, check, check. Those are both done. We also removed the road that went out in front of the zoo, which was a safety oh, condition yeah. issue. Oh, yeah, that was really good. But then it yeah. also allowed us to expand out into the park. Right. So the 2012 plan does show us growing out to about three-fourths of the way out towards the pavilion. Okay. So there's a small tree out there. I usually kind of point that out as our, that's where the perimeter fence will be someday. Uh, we've got a couple of projects coming out that that, are, that we're thinking about and starting the design process that are actually out in the, outside of the zoo. Uh, perimeter. One is an education event center, so we can host um, any and all education things that we want to do. Because we're limited by our space, and then also to be able to do a night events. Like we did a wedding last uh, Saturday night. Yeah. And it was outside. You know, they went somewhere else for the reception. Well, if we've got this building, everything can be there at the zoo. We also have a new tiger and a taper exhibit. Again, all being set up outside of of the zoo right now. So. We are looking at a 50% growth, which sounds great. You know, stats say 50%. That's amazing. <laughs> it's two acres. Right. So it does bump us out. I think there's future room. Still no elephants. but <laughs> Still no elephants. <laughs> Not no. There's no elephants in the plan. Yeah. Because there's some really cool animals that are out there. Giraffes, rhinos, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. But they may never be on our list. Again, because I'd have to cross off so many different other animals I'd want. To wow. have giraffes.
0: Doesn't uh, Peoria has giraffes, right? Correct. Giraffes and rhinos? Yep, they built an Africa section that. about, yeah.
2: well, it was about the, a year or two before I got here. So it's probably about 13 years ago now. Yeah. And that was something we thought about. You know, Peoria does a really good job of, of Africa and animals, and they built that huge area. So let's not focus on that. If you want to see Africa animals, those African it's animals, you, you can yeah. go there. They're close yeah. by. And we'll focus on a lot more of the Asian species, like the snow leopard, like langurs, like the tiger, and show different animals. I'm a big fan of bears, and we lost candy, and
1: we could get a bear back. That's my plug. So eh? we
2: have a bear in the the plan. Yeah. Uh, It's it's an Andean bear or spectacled bear. Okay. Uh, They're from South America. They're a little big. I mean, sun bears are the small species of bears, so... I'd say almost double the size of her okay. is what the size of an Andean bear is. A big so male about 400 pounds.
0: So, for people who aren't familiar with Candy, can you tell her story? And, sure. and there
2: used to be two sun bears. I had, when I got here, we had Chapin and okay. Candy. I, I remember. Uh, sun bears, they both were in their 30s. And, when, and Chapin passed about a year and a half uh, from bone cancer in his, uh, I forget if it was left or his right, but it's uh, one of his forearms. And we lost Candy. Boy. I want to say four, maybe five years ago now. Sounds about right. And she was 33, the oldest sun bear in North America. Yeah. yeah. So she, she lived on a full life. Uh, She'd been the zoo Day, for right? a long time. She was born on Valentine's Day, it's so how she got the name Candy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't think the Katofa building was where she was at was big enough for a bear, for a, sun, for a bear in general. Sure. And even with sun bears being the smallest. And I'll tell you, I've worked six species of bear in my career now. Some bears are my favorite. Yeah. But I just didn't feel right to bring them back.
1: Yeah. I just, I, I've always been a big fan of bears, and what, exactly what Tyson said. Every time we went to the zoo, that was like our favorite spot to go. Just We'd sit there for 20 minutes and just watch. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, it'd be cool to get. So so you said that's probably not the best building for us, so this would be part of maybe an expansion to have, if you were to bring these bears so in. So if we
2: bring an Andean bear in... Uh, The place where it will go is actually where the pollinator garden is right now. Okay. So between alligators and the rainforest, there's some space there. And we've talked about if if alligators and the otter exhibit needs to go to make a bigger bear exhibit, then we would do that. But we've got a place for bears someday. Because you never know. Somebody comes and goes, here, I'll write you a check.
1: That's what I was just going to get to. So how do you determine, and I've heard this story from you. I just want to hear it for, for, for our listeners. How do you determine what animals you bring in? Is there like a good list? And then how can that list get interrupted by maybe a generous donor?
2: I mean, <laughs> our master plan has, has the full master plan. Like if somebody gave us $300 million, yeah. it wouldn't cost that much. But if, if somebody said, you can just start building. Yeah. Money's not an issue. Start building. It has that list of everything we're going to have. And then we prioritize by need and by like Flamingos was the first thing we built because it was the cheapest project Mm -hmm. it was going to take out it, w- it was going to change your perspective the second you walked in.
1: I was going to say it's a great, it's a great exhibit to have at the entry, right? Because as soon as you walk in, you see a species of animal that's not native. That's like the kids are going to get excited right away because they're, they're seeing flamingos. So it's a great first exhibit, and, and it almost gives you the sense they're right next to you. Like the exhibit mm-hmm. itself feels oh, yeah. very close.
2: I would have bet. I would have lost a lot of money had I bet where the flamingos were going to hang out. Yeah, I would not have said they'd be right in front of everyone. Right. Uh, so th- so they they. They do a great job of welcoming <laughs> everyone to the zoo. Yeah, you cannot, you know, when I start started, you'd walk in and you couldn't see an animal. Right. And for you know, we talked about this with our campus. We can't do we can't do that. So you are welcomed by a group of greater flamingos as soon as you walk in the door. Yeah. So we have an order of how we want to do it, but again, if there's a if there's a funding, if there's a donor, anything that says, "Hey, I want to give money for this." A great example. When I was in Wichita, gorillas were seventh on the list of our projects. That was we we, were, we wanted to build a new elephant facility. A donor came forward and says we want to bring gorillas to Wichita, Kansas. Our director said, you know, we're really trying to raise money for our elephants. This would go a long way. And the donors, I want to bring elephant I want to bring g- gorillas to Wichita. We built a 5.5 million dollar gorilla forest. Yeah. They had gorillas and some other species, but so funding that comes <laughs> available. Um, DeBronza monkey w- that we just opened was not next in line but funding became available yeah. to make it work so we moved that up on the priority list
0: so flamingos uh, <laughs> flamingos <laughs> how, did, how did it feel uh, to be the target of a, oh. uh, of a political attack campaign I mean, um, for the people who don't know when the flamingos were getting put in I, being, being held up with uh, including yard signs as an example of uh, wasteful government spending, I suppose. So um, how, does, how, how, do you, how do you deal with that kind of criticism being levied at you?
2: It was hard. Uh, that was a hard year or two. And what was ironic about that is the year before Flamingos Open, the year Flamingos Open, are our top two attendance years ever. Okay. So we were, in some ways, it helped us. In some ways it didn't, but there was a lot of support that came like, yeah, we, I, we don't understand what people are saying. We want to support our zoo, and we want things for people to do. They, you know, Quality of life does matter. Yeah. So we, we heard a lot of that. Also, you know, obviously, I heard some of the negative as well. And you know, what I would return was, you know what, only half of this project is being funded by the city. The rest is being privately raised. And as we go through projects, you know we're going to have projects. Most of them are going to be funded by outside sources. The Rosa Monkey was funded almost entirely by the state—a state grant that we got. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to break ground on another project that is uh, 75% is state funding, 25% is privately raised. So um, the, the outdoor theater is 100% privately raised. The Milford exhibit we're going to add onto the children's zoo 100% privately raised. So as we get our word out about what we're trying to do, we're getting more and more private support. Okay.
0: Was so, was putting them right at the entrance uh, influenced by that? I mean, was it no, kind of like flexing on people?
2: No, that was that was intended all along.
0: Okay, all right. so
2: that was intended all along.
0: Darn, um, I'm gonna keep telling myself that it was just because it makes me laugh. Like, uh, no, that was but, planned from the
2: very beginning. But
0: no, I mean, I think honestly, I, I think uh, great publicity that it was coming, and um, again, I, I think me being with my kids being young, one of the target demographics for it. They love seeing the flamingos very much unlike what they've seen before and so close, right? I've been to other zoos yeah. that have them, but, you know, you look across a lake or something, you kind of see them in the distance, but to be able to be so personal with them. Yeah, we definitely have
2: the ability to be more intimate. You know, that's one of the things I love about the DeBronza monkey exhibit. One thing we don't have a lot of is glass. Yeah. It's, good, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, yeah. You know, Malazus. I mean, so that was a big thing. When we built DeBrasa, I'm like, I want to have two huge panes of glass in addition to other viewing areas. And Chumu, our male debraza mug eagles come up to the glass hey, and yeah. get nose-to-nose with kids and with adults. I mean, he's been perfect. When yeah. we were there
1: last week, like, it was almost like he was walking a runway. Oh, I have um, seen this before. Yeah, it was, cool. it was cool. It was, they were modeling for me. So. I am
0: a fan of, uh, do you still have the python there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I am a fan of the glass around the python. Let's keep that. <laughs> yep. Let's keep that. Denver. that there
2: yeah um, we, we have a project in, in line that we've asked for funding we've applied for it where we're going to build a new exhibit for her where you'll able able to actually get underneath the exhibit and like oh, pop up in man. glass oh that's cool and be literally face to face with her oh, some people will love awesome. that and some people will run away hide, you know, screaming because they don't like snakes Yeah. but it's a lot like what you see like meerkat exhibits or prairie dog uh, exhibits at other zoos just that ability to get closer to them and some people are absolutely fascinated by sure. by snakes, and she's a, she's a big girl. We uh, mentioned a lot of private funding. How
1: does Where does that private funding come from? Um, what, any events or ongoing
2: fundraising efforts? Or? So Zudu is our biggest fundraiser that society puts on. We just uh, brought in $104,000 net, wow. which is uh, one of our biggest years ever. I think it's the biggest we've ever done. So, and I still say zoodoo. Sometimes society doesn't like me say this. I still think zoodoo is a friend raiser. Yeah. Because we get a lot of our friends and donors in the crowd and, and put on a good event. Mm-hmm. And it's entertaining. You get to see new animals that you haven't seen before. We talked to people. You got to see the Debraza Monkey exhibit before anyone else did. Right. And so we're trying to raise our profile a bit in the private sector so that we can expand our donor base mm-hmm. and build a zoo that this town will be even more proud of than we are now. Yeah. So uh, when is what is the zoo do? What, so zoo do is our event. Usually it's the first Saturday after Labor Day. Mm-hmm. And it starts at the zoo, ends up over at the pavilion, and it's... Um, uh, silent live auction, uh, dinner, drinks, again, but it starts at the zoo, we show you everything, and brought in $104,000 this year. That's awesome. And is that, can they find out more about that on a website,
1: on the zoo's website? If you or? go to
2: MillerParkZoo.org, it'll link you over to uh, mpzs.org, which is the Miller Park Zoological Society. Awesome. So they're our private partner for all this. They're the fundraisers. If you're a member of the zoo, mm-hmm. sound like you guys are, you're actually a member of the Miller Park Zoological Society. Yeah. And so without the two partnerships, the zoo and the society working together, it, it would be a, a struggle. Is I, w- I want to
1: start talking about some exhibits. Um, first, I'm going to start with some of the older ones. And, so just, and before we get into the animals, is there any talk of the carousel leaving? Because um, it does take up a big spot, but... I know. I know. My daughter loves it, so I got to know. So <laughs> leaving,
2: no. Replacing, yes. All right,
1: that's fair. So
2: we in the match point, we have it up a little higher, uh, closer to uh, like the cow and and uh, guanaco viewing area. Yeah. And yeah. uh, having to be a new one. Okay. Uh, Our is, is is older, definitely. And But we would never get rid of it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too much of a fan favorite for the kids. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of the funniest things at Star Wars Day that we have, it's funny to see a stormtrooper ride a carousel. <laughs> I see it every year, and I laugh every year. Uh, Darth Vader wrote it, I think. Uh, you know, this is all pre-COVID. Sure. You know. But, uh, no, we would not get rid of it. It would be to replace it. All
1: right. And we, we mentioned Flamingo, so I won't talk about that anymore. you got that coming in. And talk more about the, the monkey uh, that, that's recently got and any other new attractions over the last couple of years. Because, I said, I went to the zoo last weekend. That's probably the first time I'd been. I think when I went right at the start of, like, whenever it was opened again after COVID, I think okay. we went. Um, my daughter's been there a lot. But I, that
2: was the first time I'd gone in a while. And a lot's changed just in that time. So, Debraza monkey just opened a few weeks ago. Uh, Debraza monkey is an African primate, probably about 15 pounds. Very distinct white beard is was what they're kind of known for. So, we've got the male on exhibit now. We actually have a female monkey in the building, and we've just started doing introductions. And we have a diker, red-flanked diker, which is a, a knee-high species of antelope. Huh. So, again, two new species we've, we've never had before. We'll show those guys off in that exhibit. Um, you know, no one plans to open exhibit on October 1st, <laughs> but with all the delays of uh, you name it right. we had, we, it, you know, we opened it as soon as we could. Uh, other uh, things that we've got, uh, we've got an outdoor education theater being built right now. So is that replacing that other stage that's in the Right, zoo? so Rainforest Theater, which is up the hill across from Otters, yeah. and the Red Panda exhibit and the Palace Cat exhibit and where the Eagle Owls were, Those are all going to be demolished in order for us to build a South America project. Oh, cool. And that South America project is a million-dollar project. It will include a new home for a tortoises. It will add giant anteaters, bush dogs, and uh, Chilean pudu, which is the world's smallest deer, (laughs) uh, to new exhibits. We're going to keep the red pandas and palace cats. We're going to move them down uh, closer to the red wolves and exhibits down there. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure we had that educational space. Yeah. So that outdoor theater is actually way above and better than what we I thought we were going to get I thought we were just going to put a little stage up <laughs> like we've got the Rainforest Theater and no we've got we're going to have audio visual oh, lights cool. Uh, cool. The, the ability to show uh, videos all day long whether we're doing a talk or not Yeah, people can sit there and just learn about whatever they want to learn about and that's a new thing for us. Yeah. yeah. Um, something we, we've already been asked about weddings there. Right.
1: That's what I was just and saying. It's,
2: it's, and it's, as it's being built, it, it, it's, it actually will work perfectly for a wedding or those kind of events. So we're excited about that. We should be done with that this year and be able to roll that out. In the spring, you'll see construction around the children's zoo. Uh, we're going to add a mule foot hog exhibit. A mulefoot hog is a critical rare breed of hog. It's a domestic hog. There's only about 200, 250 left in the world. And so, and we have no pigs, anything like that at the zoo. So again, we're talking about diversity. So we'll be able to bring in a young male. we we'll are hope to get him right after he's weaned. My hope is to we'll be able to take him for walks uh, that we can kind of get him used <laughs> to great. going and seeing a 500-pound hog walking down the, the sidewalk. That would be really cool for me. We I saw a loose chicken
1: while we were there last week. Yes. <laughs> that is becoming
2: a daily occurrence. Um, so we're working on that. Yeah, she has learned how to get out and likes to get out and look for bugs. It didn't hurt anything. It was just, it was just kind of that, funny. We were yeah. walking along and saw she's, a chicken. She's arboros. absolutely harmless. <laughs> a lot of zoos have uh, like guinea fowl or peacocks loose yeah. uh, that are running around the property. We just don't have big enough space for me to do that. The peafowl wouldn't stay on property. Yeah, they, I'd be all over the neighborhoods trying to collect our, our peacocks we do
0: allow chicken in the sea, chickens in the city limits though
1: yeah so yes, yes, we, we allow true. that now so it's, that's true you're that. fine you're no in no controversy behind that either yeah the uh,
2: <laughs> just don't I, bring I, any
1: bees into, the, into yeah. the zoo that would be a there's fun. some bees in there
2: we, we have, have some bees in the zoo oh, lab right well. so we have an interactive uh, beehive that you can see in zoo lab oh yeah the zookeepers zoo help set that up Yeah, right? but it has like, a uh, pipe so they actually the bees can go outside and do what they need to do and come in. That's just their hive. Yeah. We also have two other that. hives uh, up by Red Wolves that are just just regular beehives. Yeah. And we also have one over at Prairie Vista Golf Course. Okay. So we're managing all those. The goal, I mean, pollinator numbers are, are dropping, and yeah. that's a lot of our food. And so we've, the zoo has kind of stepped in and has said, we're going to help what we can. We're going to educate uh, we've increased our pollinator garden tremendously. Can
1: the zoo sell Miller Park Zoo honey? That is
2: the goal. That'd be cool. Uh, we, yeah. That is our goal. And then all the funding for that will go back into our conservation fund. Right. Okay. So it'll go back into the hives or our pollinator gardens or anything conservation, you know, if it's uh, helping snow leopards in Central Asia, all that conservation fund goes out. It's every 100, 100% that comes in goes out
0: yeah for conservation this is my excuse for not treating my yard by the way so uh, I, uh, yeah. daylines are actually
2: really good yeah, uh, yeah uh, we, for for pollinators we neighbors. have quite a
0: few bees out there and uh yeah we and quite a few
1: angry neighbors no just yeah.
0: kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh you, can, uh, can i ask was,
0: about one yeah go ahead you mentioned polis cat um, that's my uh, that is the animal that I would be most afraid to care for <laughs> it looks so angry the all original the time. grumpy cat yes yeah, uh, I call it the original grumpy cat they always look upset is that is that just how it looks are they like are they okay if you go in tear your face off they you. always <laughs>
2: have that grumpy look okay I mean I, right. that <laughs> That is... I don't it know would, what it is. Yeah. But that is that is every palace cat I've ever seen taken care of.
0: Okay. So... They're not especially, like, ferocious if you have a chemistry or anything. No, we go in with them to so. take
2: care of them. Okay. Um, and you'll see them up in her basket, like, 99% of the time. Mm. She'll be in the same spot every day. Yeah. Um, she's comfortable. That's just her... It's, it's the perception she, she gives okay, off. Okay, that's good. I'm glad I asked
0: because I've been I've been, definitely been judging her for many years. that oh, she's, she's judging you, too. Yeah, oh, she um. definitely looks like she's <laughs> judging me.
2: The alligators are, uh, is it crocodile or alligator? Alligator. Alligator. The alligator's relatively new, right? So we brought them in the May, bef- uh, no. No, it was the May before, so it was May of 19. Okay. Uh, we had a white and a male and female we lost the wife from an infection okay i didn't know that it, uh, we, yeah,
1: and we mentioned that there was a and a that white was, one
2: that, was that was that was a tough we probably treated him for 3 to 4 months to, when reptiles get get infections and get sick it's really tough Sometimes by sometimes by the time you notice it it's a, it's it's not pill battle and we fought and fought and we we lost him unfortunately mm, yeah. so we just have sally our female right now we've talked about bringing more in but she's content. They're solitary, so yeah. it, we don't need to bring one in uh, for her. It's not for her. It would just be uh, if, if, if she's not as visible as yeah. we'd want her to be, the other one would be. So that's that's kind of a, well, as we get through some things, uh, animal shipping right now with COVID is still not uh, back to normal. Yeah. So we've kind of put that on the back burner for now.
1: So one thing I wanted to make sure we took time to talk about um, is the junior zookeeper program. Uh, my daughter has been involved for, for a little while now, but just kind of tell
2: our listeners a little bit about what that is. Um,
1: maybe and then also how to get involved there at the end. But.
2: So you can only sign up once a year. It's probably the mostly asked question is you're eligible uh, after your fifth grade up through high school. And unfortunately, we turn away at probably about 30 to 50 kids a year yeah. because we only have so much space. So many slots that we can fill. Yeah, my daughter got turned away the first year, yeah. and luckily she got on the second uh, and she was been stoked. It's since. getting harder and harder to get in the first year because yeah. we've we've pushed back so many kids the previous year. Right. It is a uh, national award-winning program. Um, I will not take credit for it because it was here before I got here. It's been around over 40 years now. Yeah. But it's the only program I know of that's year-round and is set up the way it is. It's, it's really phenomenal. And, and you're talking to somebody who started in a similar program where in Omaha where I started when I was 16. And, you know, I was able to work myself into it. But the things it teaches the kids, um, could I have spoken to a group of 100 people when I was a freshman or sophomore in high school? Heck no.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, so it gives a public speaking. It gives um, some discipline because you've got to be here, here, and here, time management. And you learn a lot about ecosystems and habitats and animals and how a zoo runs it's phenomenal, and it's you a have great di-
1: program. different levels, of course. Like, so, so if you're coming in right after that fifth grade year, you're doing stuff very different than someone that's in high school. Absolutely, kind of gradually increases
2: as far as how much I don't know hands-on and that type of stuff you have, right? Absolutely, the first year is more like the camp. Second year is uh, you might have you might like be in the children's zoo, mm-hmm. uh, wh- helping, keeping an eye on both animals and people, and clean the yard while goats poop a lot, so you need somebody in there to help clean up while your people are in there. But yeah, that next step is really helping the zookeepers make diets, uh, providing enrichment, do educational talks. Really is, you know, that next step. We have a lot of former education. Uh, Two of our zookeepers, yeah, two of our zookeepers are former JZKs. Yeah, so they'd be able to get into the field full time.
1: And as I was going to say, that's got to be so important to kind of um, keep the message going of why the zoo is beneficial, right? I mean, you're, you're teaching another generation about. Um,
2: something that's been along, around for hundreds of years, but absolutely, yeah. it's you know, and a lot of kids don't go into anything zoo related. Yeah, so that's fine. But then they have that knowledge and can think about the conservation, the recycling, the all those green practices you, you hear about, different ways to save our environment. Yeah. So that there is an environment here, you know, three four generations down the road. And that
1: and that uh, information about that I'm sure on the zoo website as well, right?
2: Yeah, all of our junior zookeepers, yeah, it's on there because you can only sign them once a year, so we want to make sure people are aware of that so you don't that, miss that. <clears throat> when does that sign up? Usually it's uh, the we the meetings are usually the first week in March. Okay.
1: So I, I, talking about kind of like the spirit of the zoo and, and, and philosophy, I know zoos can get a bad rap from, a, from some people, and I've heard you speak on this before, and I think you do a, a great job of it. So that's what I kind of want to ask you about. What are the benefits of just having a zoo overall to animals to you know the world's ecosystem all that kind of stuff why are zoos important
2: in a lot of ways it is One, in some cases it's saving the species there are species alive today that would be gone uh red wolf is an example that was extinct from the wild brought them into zoos zoos bred them and were able to release them back into the wild blackfooted ferrets california condors uh now it's a lot of amphibians that are that are coming back because of zoos have stepped in Panamanian golden frog is the yellow and black frog we have in zoo lab when you first walk in. Mm-hmm. Those used to be extinct in the wild, and there's about 3,000 in U.S. zoos. So when there's more places in Par- in Panama to be released, they're gonna go back. Yeah. So, uh, so so in some cases, absolutely saving from extinction. And then there's others where snow leopards, for example, I will probably even though I run the national, or. Uh, the North American Conservation Breeding Program. I'm responsible for all snow leopards in North America. <laughs> I will probably never see one in the wild. Yeah. So I want to make sure that my great-grandkids can see a snow leopard someday. And, you know, of our 110, 115,000 people who come to our zoo, if they see a snow leopard and want to save it, there's things that they can do to save it. And maybe it was seeing them, looking them in the eye, or seeing them jump, whatever it is, causes that to happen that's amazing mm-hmm. i think that's a
1: good point about the junior zookeeper go back to that to tie it in a little bit is even though they could go through the whole program and not get into anything to do with a zoo or animals at all they now have a new connection with animals with the zoo so that when they grow up and are doing whatever they're doing for a living they still understand the importance of donating to a zoo or going to things like the zoo do, um, taking their kids to the zoo, explaining mm-hmm. the importance of that. So,
2: a- Absolutely. You know, we With COVID especially, we were a little over the top probably in terms of cautious, mm-hmm. requiring masks from the, from the beginning. And I think what it turned out is everyone saw us as a safe place to go, a safe, fun, and lucky is outside sure. place to go. Mm-hmm. And so, so there's that part. Again, we talked about the quality of life. I'm, I, I do believe in that. But getting people to want to save animals by seeing something happen or learning about something, you know, well we're some of the things we're doing like with the pollinators and the bees, that's that truly isn't our backyard mm-hmm. in, in every sense of the word. So if, if people can do things that can just help, we've built some new pollinator gardens throughout the city in order to increase the habitat for monarchs, for the blue butterfly, different things like that. So there's things people can do here. But just trying to conserve, you know, climate change is real yeah. and it's going to affect animals as much as it's going to affect people. Habitats are going to disappear eventually if we don't do something. Yeah.
0: Um, another criticism of zoos is that it's like animal jail. Mm-hmm. You've got them trapped in here and they're not living a, a good life. How, how, what do you, how do you respond to that? So it, it, it's
2: not about, for me, it's not about care. It's about their welfare. It's making sure we're doing the proper care. And we're doing what the animal needs. Mm-hmm. There is, yeah, d- there definitely are some skeptics to zoos in general.
0: And there are yeah. certainly bad zoos that don't treat their animals well. Absolutely,
2: right? um, yeah. roadside zoos give other zoos a bad reputation. You go to one zoo, you go, oh, that was a, that was hell. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you. And, I, and I've had people say, "I wish that animal could be free in the, and not to have any animals in a zoo." <laughs> I completely agree with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would love to have no worries about animals going extinct. There are animals who, a subspecies of rhino has gone extinct in the last five years. If a huge rhino can go extinct, what everything's, everything's on the table for going to, through extinction. So we need to provide proper care, proper welfare for the animals we have in our collections, provide a good atmosphere for people to learn and get engaged and want to save those animals.
0: Well, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but some of that, too, is putting human values and needs and, like, uh, imposing them on animals, right? Um, like, I think about my cat. My cat hasn't been out of my house in nine years other than to go to the vet, right? She she eats, she comes and sits on her lap and we pet her. And that's pretty much her whole life. Like, she's an older cat. She doesn't play anymore. She just kind of wanders around and eats and is cuddled. So if that was my life for the last nine years, I'd be very dissatisfied, right? But I'm a human, I have different needs. Uh, An animal is if they have a safe place to live that's warm and they've got food and they've got the nurture that they need, that's that's pretty much what they need, right?
2: (laughs) Right, you know, know, we get asked a lot, well, the tiger sleeps all day. Yeah, because in the wild, they'll hunt, catch something, eat for a day, which will actually feed them for two or three days. So if they're not hunting they're trying to reproduce so if they don't need to eat but you know they're fed every day mm-hmm. so they can relax and rest more the animals that are prey species don't need to be looking for their predators nonstop, stop so they, their stress level comes down so zoos can provide some safety we provide enrichment constantly to stimulate both mentally and physically um, knuckle bones uh, cattle beef bones we give to the big cats And that is purely for their teeth. You know, we feed them a meat diet. It's like mush hamburger. And to have strong teeth, you feed these cattle bones. They chew on and get more meat off of those. But it truly is to strengthen their teeth and jaws. Yeah. To make sure those are staying strong. In the wild, a tiger will die at about age 10. And they die of starvation typically because their teeth go bad. uh, In a zoo, we can do a root canal and they can live to 20. Yeah. So uh, zoos are able to provide longer life for our animals, and enrichment is what provides that quality of life for them. Yeah, makes sense.
1: All right, I'm ready for a hard-hitting question. Are you? Yeah. What's your favorite animal at the zoo?
2: You know what? It changes all the time. Uh, A lot of times it's a new thing for me. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of our Debraza monkey. Um, Chumu, our, our male we got in, he's a champ. Man, he has handled everything we've thrown at him. He's fantastic on exhibit. And so far, him and, the, and his girlfriend are, are playing nice and getting along. Uh, snow leopards are probably up there. Giant anteaters, which we don't have yet, yeah. are in that
1: list. I was gonna. So my my follow up was, what's your what's your animal that you're excited like to someday get? It May not be on the list right now, but so, some, sometime in your career, you really want this animal to come to. So the, the
2: bucket. bucket list for me at Miller Park Zoo is orangutans. Okay, so they're on the list. You know, again, if somebody comes forward and says, I, I'll write you a check. We we know where it's going to go. Yeah, we have a you know general idea of what it's going to look like.
1: I've seen or I've seen them at an exhibit. <laughs> I can't remember what zoo. The exhibit I saw was a pretty large exhibit for those. Do they need that large of an? exhibit? rings
2: like to go up.
1: Okay. Yeah, because it was a big like yep. rock
2: mountain yep. thing. Yeah. So if we so no zoo no zoo in Central Illinois has apes. Okay. Has a great ape. Sorry, no great apes. I've worked chimps. I've designed for gorillas. They need a lot of land. Yeah. The want to go up. Orangs don't like to go to the ground, yeah. so then it's you can give them as, you know for them it comes down to how much height you want to give them. Sure, um, some orangs have some health issues from respiratory, so I'm going to put them on an indoor exhibit that has you know the hospital grade HVAC system, and so you'll get that glass interaction, and they're warm. They're cool, and they're healthy. Yeah. And we'll talk about Sumatran orangutans, because one of the areas we're going to build is called Sumatra, like Sumatran tigers, Malayan tapers. Okay. We'll build out, we'll teach
0: people about the island of Sumatra. That's cool. Yeah. I Someday. heard that you lost your sloth. That's my wife's favorite animal. Yes. Okay. You going to yep. get another one, think? So we've got
2: to make a decision there. Okay. Um, my wife would say
0: yes. Well, <laughs>
2: I think the answer is yes, we want a sloth. Okay. There is such a high demand for sloths right now. They don't breed oh, very well in zoos. Okay. Is I know somebody in the private sector who can get one and whether we want to spend, it could, but then you got to pay for that. Sorry, I'm just laughing like, I know a guy who can get us a sloth. Yeah, I know. It sounds like a back, back you know, deal. You know arc. people. But it is that way sometimes. A lot There's tons of breeding programs, and the two-toed sloth is a breeding program, but the demand is so high. Okay, So uh-huh. Tomanwas, which are lesser anteaters, same way i i've I worked in other zoos they're fantastic they're good for education they're great exhibit animals and went to the breeding program i said hey we want to bring a breeding pair of tamanduas in and he went yep three years minimum okay so wow. made some few fo- phone calls got some connections from him we were able to bring in a pair of tamanduas from outside they actually were wild caught in south america okay so the question is for the sloth we spend the money to get a single one in? Yeah. Or what I'd like to do is bring a, a breeding pair in and if we don't feel we can do it, we bring those in for another zoo. Okay. And then we take one of theirs that somebody doesn't want to breed. Oh my gosh, a baby sloth. If you could get a baby sloth. I know. <laughs> Holy moment. That's why it's a hard conversation. We social
1: got social media goal. <laughs> social media gold.
0: <laughs> how how do sloths Survive. That's like the worst superpower. Like, I go really slow. Like, how are they not all dead? I don't understand. So their metabolism is really slow,
2: so they don't eat very much. Okay. Uh, they're very well adapted to their life. So it's the only mammal, most mammals, the hair grows on your back and down. Theirs is from their stomach out. Okay. Huh. They only go to the ground. So they're most susceptible when they t- go to the ground. Sure. They only go to the ground once a week or, or so, and that's the pee and poo. Once a week. And they do it at the same time. it takes them
1: all week to get there.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and they'll actually fertilize their own tree. Ah. The tree they may spend their entire life in. Interesting. And there's actually an animal called a sloth moth that actually lives in the hair of a sloth. Uh Uh-huh. And when the sloth goes down to the ground to pee or poop, it actually lays its eggs in the
0: poop of the sloth. I mean, all these Entire ecosystem by itself. yeah. 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 It's amazing. So it just doesn't... There's not much in terms of predators up that high. I guess like a snake or a big bird could get really, them? really it's or?
2: it's jaguars. Okay. Which when you think about it, jaguars are not going that high. Okay. So that's why I say they're most susceptible when they come to the ground. Yeah. And like almost every other animal, people. Okay. Yeah. People are near the top or usually like the top two or three almost every species. Yeah. For their for their enemy.
0: You think they could just like we're getting too into the details here, but you think that they could just avoid that trip to the ground and just, like, let it go from I a mean, pie. You would
2: think so. Yeah. Um, and I can't tell you why they do that, but All they right. do. Every every sloth I've ever taken care of and read about, they go to the ground. That's cool. I mean, everyone's got their preferences. Take care of business. I'm not going to judge. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, speaking of breeding, though, uh, you guys are really good at breeding otters, too, All right.
2: Yes. Okay. We probably produce more pups than anyone else in the country. Okay. Wow. So when what, it comes to the, river otters. Like,
0: how do you get that set, like They go in that little, like, hole, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so what, do you we, got, what do you got set up in there to, like, set the mood to... <laughs> so, you
2: know what? Candles <laughs> lit. Yeah. I, will, I will admit, our, ex- our outer exhibit's not the greatest. It, 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 but it, we've been successful. So, you know, you, sometimes you don't argue with something that just works. Okay. It's, uh, so there's three pens behind. So if you look at the exhibit to the left, you'll see two little doors. When mm-hmm. I say two little doors, they are... Otter size zookeepers yeah. literally have to climb in and out. There's no door for zookeepers. Uh-huh. This was even built in the 70s when that wasn't really thought of. So that we we give her a den box, we put a camera on there so we can watch what's going on without disturbing her. Mm-hmm. And and from the very beginning, she's been a super mom. Uh, last year we had a false pregnancy, but they bred again. So come February.
0: You know, we could have pups yeah, again. Yeah. Crazy. Man, those are just so much fun to watch. They're yeah. on yeah, They're all running I mean, around and been yeah. very successful. Very, very fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I
1: just see, like, I just think about how much, like I mentioned earlier, the zoo has changed in my lifetime, how we used to go into the, what, what do you call the house? The Katofer Animal Building. I don't know if I, Katofer? Katofer. Okay. Yep. I, I remember that being the entrance. Um, I think, like, the otters were, like, the outer
2: edge of the, of yep. the zoo. Um, yeah. Just, I will see people walking just outside the control building, outside in the park figure out how to get. and in. I'll see him walk back and forth and I'll finally say you know can I help you like well yeah I'm trying to find the entrance to the zoo I go let me guess you haven't been here <laughs> in 29 years yeah yeah how'd you know because we moved the entrance 29 years ago yeah, yeah. So you tell them how to get there and so you know so you start having this conversation like why are you, you know oh I'm back for a funeral I'm back for a wedding or you know you hear these people coming back and the zoo was on their list to do yeah, when right. they came back and
1: the concession stand's relatively new,
2: right? Mm-hmm. When was that open? So we, this was the first year we had both sides open. Okay. So we have it uh, right next to the gift shop. We have a window out to the park and to the zoo, so have you it doesn't measured, matter. Have
1: you measured that? How Who comes to which window? We're,
2: and... we're about two-thirds inside. Okay. Um, and, and the numbers got, got a little fuzzy when, during COVID, people would come in, get their food inside, and go outside and eat it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... They could have come from either way, or right. they left the zoo and went outside to eat, because mm-hmm. we every, people knew we had a, a, a limit on how many people could let in at a time. Yeah. And people were great that they weren't staying long. Once they saw the zoo and were done, they left. It's, it, it works. We, when we went there last week,
1: like, I smelt the hot dogs, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah. And,
2: when we, you know, all it takes is for a kid to walk over to the spray park, with a snow cone, and yeah. next thing we got like eight or nine people coming over. <laughs> right, um, so we're gonna change some landscape. When you first walk in, there's some gorgeous hibiscus mm-hmm. uh, plants and flowers. We're going to move those to another place because they're six, seven feet tall. Yeah. And so they block the view of the concession. stand. So that's such a new thing for our for our guests. We want to make sure we're going to change the landscaping so it's like knee-high. Right. So everybody can see what's going on over there.
1: Yeah. That's definitely a cool addition. I think a, a overdue addition that, that makes just makes sense, right?
2: And it's great for the whole park, too, because there are so many things in Miller Park. Yeah. Now you don't have to leave to get some food. Yeah. yeah. If you want to see the tanks all the world war one I, I mean all the war something at the
1: stage uh um, right. you know they put on events there all yep. the time
2: so there's always i mean miniature golf's there yeah there's so many things to do now you don't have to leave the park for food right you know? uh, it makes it makes a lot of sense so
0: thinking through logistics of the park too um i appreciate that you don't force people to exit through the gift shop i mean i'm sure we all things being you. equal you would <laughs> i'm sure all things being equal you'd like to but you know as members we're coming in and out a lot and um Whenever places force me to walk my kids through a bunch of stuff and have to tell them no to everything, <laughs> it it's just really puts a sour taste at the end of it. If there was a single grocery store in anywhere that didn't have all that crap, by you know, like all that candy and stuff that, like, I'm trying to check out, and it's like, can I have this, can I have this, can I have this? I know they do it a dude on purpose, but of course. Um, anyway, I I really appreciate that you don't they also make, make you us
1: walk to the back for the milk.
0: That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they're doing. Yeah. Anyway, I just That's want to smart. say thanks for not making us go through that every single time yeah. we want to we come want in. We want to make sure. So. I mean, and it like, helps with COVID. It makes right? me more people more likely don't want to go inside, con, right? right? Yeah,
2: Because yeah, we did have at one point only seven people could be in the gift shop at a time. Uh-huh. I mean, we had and we had signs on there. I mean, we've we've had we've had so many changes with COVID and how we have to operate and work with our guests on masks, no masks, kind yeah. um, of capacities, all that stuff. Yeah. Because uh, you know. We followed the Utah Zoo. Salt Lake City opened first. They were one of the first zoos to open after COVID. And they said, Well, we're only going to clean certain things. And then they (laughs) followed a family through the zoo. It was a family of four. I think they had like a five year old and like a nine year old. And they touched everything. Yeah. So then, you know, so they did a couple of videos and webinars for folks saying, like, don't think you don't, your folks aren't touching this. They're touching everything. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we had a rotation about every two hours. We were wiping stuff down. If not, I'd say two hours at the most. We just wiped down stuff all day long. Yeah.
0: So, I still encourage the listeners to go to the gift shop. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I just, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Just don't need to go every single time. <laughs> so. not, not trying to dish your gift shop or anything.
1: What's it cost to go to the zoo today? What's it cost for a membership? What's
2: the membership give you? So it's it's dollars it's, uh, 95 to get in. No, six ninety five to get in. It's five ninety five for kids. A family membership is sixty dollars. So you go more than twice, as it's paid for for a family of four. Sure. A membership gets you discounts in the gift shop we just talked about. Gets you educational class discounts, discounts at the um, uh, concession stand, and you can go to a lot of those. zoos either free or at half price. So that's so financially, it's it's a huge it's a huge bargain. Mm-hmm. It also allows, we're trying to, what I'm trying to do is make this membership more than just financial. Like having the sneak peeks for a member's night for DeBrasa monkeys. You'll get to see a new exhibit before anyone else does. So it's things like that. We're trying to make the membership um, more worthwhile in addition to just supporting your local zoo
1: and you just mentioned discounts are free at other zoos I don't know I'm sure there's a lot of families like this but when we go on vacation it's almost a guaranteed we're going to a zoo so um, that can definitely help pay for it as well Mm -hmm. Uh, very cool so yeah Jay I want to thank you uh, for joining us Um, I honestly your passion shines through, which is a, why, why why you make a good guess. But I always learn something new every time, and I've heard you speak probably a dozen times in the last yeah. uh, you know few years. But um, I do always learn something new, so I appreciate you coming on very much.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you for what you do yeah. for our community. Thanks really for having appreciate, me. appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, as I've been dealing with my flight here, I was writing down uh, okay. my, my thoughts. If you, if you guys are curious, so um, sure. Oh, so okay. yeah. First one was the IPA sour, the super bright. Um, I would say that one of my favorite things to do, like when I'm drinking craft beer, is to have a, a IPA and then follow it up with a sour and alternate because the sour is like the sour can be a little intense and the IPA cools it off. This is almost it's like, like doing Like a hot that. wing and ranch. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is like the hot wing and ranch of beers. Uh, no, it, it combines those flavors really, really well. That was my favorite one. That was the. I thought I was gonna finish one of these, so I finished that one. Um, the orange vanilla one tastes exactly like eating a cream sickle, like a, uh, a orange cream sickle. The way that Chad makes these flavors pop out is amazing. Um, same with the coconut cream pie. It was it had a very heavy coconut flavor. It was very much like eating a slice of pie. And uh, and the pumpkin as well. The, the pumpkin wasn't as heavy as I thought it was going to be. It uh, had this really like fascinating mouthfeel. It's like it's very light and there's a bunch of whole pumpkin spice in there. So uh, those, that's my thoughts on four of the beers I hadn't tasted yet. And uh, f- other people can come in and grab a, a flight for themselves, too.
1: And eat something because the food's delicious. Oh, yeah.
0: What are those tacos called that we Brea had? Bria Tacos. Bria Tacos. Oh, man. Those were uh, those were really good. They are. They're delicious. Yeah. I don't really like a corn tortilla taco as much, but they dip it in ancho beef stock, they say. So it was like real moist. They take the healthiest beef, the healthiest shell, and make it really
2: good. Yeah. Like it dip it in beef stock. <laughs> they like
0: an ancho consomme to dip it in, shredded braised beef. Really, really good. Yeah, so, that's delicious. Um, yeah. I just had somebody else tell me, yeah, I've been listening to Pod BN, but then like I end up getting really hungry afterwards. That's like, the point. Yeah. That's, 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 good. that's, that's why
1: we talk about it. It's our version of the Toys by the Register. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, and you're done with your uh, your 75 days there. Right? I am. That's yeah, I got time. done last
1: Thursday. Yeah. Th- Thursday was day 75. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Feeling good. I feel Feeling really good. good, and I haven't tracked any food this whole weekend, and that okay. feels amazing. Yeah. But I'm getting back on it Monday. What so. was
0: the uh, What was the main thing you wanted to eat after that experience? The
1: only two things I craved were pizza and ice cream. So okay. I gave up like fried food. I didn't miss that too much. But yeah, pizza and ice cream. So we had Tobins. And I had uh, Dairy Queen Blizzard, and now I'm good to go. Okay.
0: And you said you were having chili today for the game. Chili, yeah. I'm kind of
1: half peeking at the Bears-Packers
0: game uh, behind us. Yeah. And then you had a taco today, so yeah, you're doing okay. I feel
1: good. I actually had a little bit of sugar uh, cinnamon roll this morning, and does it could, taste like so sweet? You now? can, you can def- Yes, to answer that question, yes. But honestly, I was on the highest sugar high that I've been <laughs> on in my life for about. It was only about ten minutes afterwards, but I was bouncing yeah. off the walls. You could definitely tell. Yeah. Did you crash after that? No, guys- I've been going strong, but I'm a caffeine addict, so that probably has something to do with it. Okay. All
0: right. <laughs> well, good. Well, uh, yeah. Hopefully, you keep some of those those good habits. Um, yeah, that's the plan. And yeah. Alright, I think we are done then. Yeah, let's be done.